0: to walk forward towards whatever is whispering to you, whatever is tugging at your heart. What might happen if you stopped resisting your heart's desires? If you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life, if you're saying to yourself, I don't want to just go to work. I want to do my life's work. This is the show. Don't keep your day job. How do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit? You've got something that you've got to share with the world. I'm positive. That's why you're here. The show will not just give you inspiration, but some real life tools so that you can not just go to work and build someone else's dream. You can do the thing that you've always truly wanted to do. Make yourself the happiest version of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so happy that you're here. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Skillshare is giving my listeners two months of Skillshare for free. You can get unlimited access to over 25,000 classes. Just go to www.skillshare.com dreamjob2 to start your free month today. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So it's New Year's Eve and I'm so excited about what's coming. I'm so excited about what's happened and going into the new year, um, I've been thinking about what I can say to really help you find your flow this year, get the most out of this year, make it the most magical it can be. And my question to you is this for 2019, what might happen if you stopped resisting your heart's desires? What might happen if you had the courage to walk forward forward? towards whatever is whispering to you whatever is tugging at your heart what would happen if you stopped telling yourself on repeat that you weren't good enough or it wasn't possible or you don't deserve it i'm wondering if over the course of the last year if you've been listening to this show or if you've been on your own journey was there a moment when joy brought you tears of relief was there a moment when something cracked open within you hold on to that. There is wisdom there. There is truth there. Someone I've been listening to lately is an incredibly courageous, awesome woman. Her name is Sarah Blondlin. She has a podcast herself called the Live Awake Podcast, which helps bring you back to that grounded center through reflection and some guided meditation. And she said something so beautiful the other day. She said, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to close your eyes in the morning, have your own healing, sacred meditation, and just for a moment, ask for help in finding your purpose, ask for help in getting into the healthy flow of your life. Amazing things will come. There are hidden forces at work. And she says, and she's so right, she says, I don't know anything. I just know that it feels right and good. When I follow my heart, it feels right and good to look for the magic in everyday moments. And if you take a deep breath, maybe you can let that breath lift you above your restrictive thoughts. And let go of whatever constricts you and move into that expansive place. And that's what I want for you in 2019. Because as you trust whatever's tugging at you, whatever whispers to you, that curiosity, that enthusiasm, it will lead you to the next clue and the next clue. And if you can keep checking back in, taking a deep breath and breathing above the spinning thoughts, there's so much wisdom and so much magic there. So as a way to wrap up the end of 2018, I wanted to share some of the highlights from this past year. And we had so many incredible groundbreaking moments, but I couldn't have an episode that was 30 hours long, obviously. So we just picked a few that highlighted some of the takeaways I really want you to carry into the new year. So the first thing I want to remind you is that if you're here, you won the lottery. It's so, so important that you don't take this one opportunity of this one life, the joy of making your contribution. It is such a gift. And we can't take it for granted. Here's what some of our guests have had to say about that. Take a listen to what Jen Sincero said. She wrote the book, You Are a Badass.
1: And here's her talking about your inner badass. The reason I called the books, You Are a Badass, is because I really, I know deep down, everybody is about us. Like we've all been put on earth for a specific reason. We're all really good at certain things. We are lit up by certain things. We light other people up by doing certain things and saying certain things and being who we truly are. And there's this little kernel, I mean, even that you're most depressed and um, you know, we all we all go up and down all over the place. But deep down you know it, right? You know it or you wouldn't be listening to this right now. And so I think the first part is to nurture that piece of yourself that knows you are a total badass, regardless of what your environment looks like right now, you know it. And that's why it's so painful when you're not being a badass and you're living in a converted garage at the age of the 40, you know, eating tuna out of a can every day. Like I knew I could be doing so much better. And the fact that I wasn't was so freaking painful because this is our purpose on earth is to blossom into the fullest expression of ourselves. And when we're not doing that, it's excruciating. So first part is to start making friends with that part of yourself and nurturing it and getting excited about it and getting the details of it. Now, this clip is from my conversation with Illustrator and the host of the super inspiring creative pep talk
0: podcast, Andy J. Pizza.
2: I don't care whether you think we've been put here by some kind of higher power, or if you think that we evolved to be the, the way that we are, whichever way you want to slice that. At the very least, your DNA was orchestrated to be completely unique. Never, ever exist again in the same combination of yours. And because of that, you're one of the most rarest resources on the planet. Just by sheer, you know, why do we like diamonds? Why do we like gold? It's because they're rare on this planet, but nothing is more rare than an individual. And the combination of your DNA, your experience and your experiments is incredibly valuable to lots and lots of people that need what you've got. And one of the things that I just am desperate to convince people of is, please, please put in the time and energy to find your gift, develop it, and shine it out in the world. It is so worth it. Your future self will be so profusely thankful for you saying yes to that journey. And please do because we need that stuff that you're going to make.
0: Now here's what best-selling author and TED Talk speaker Daniel Pink had to say on the topic, which I think is so powerful. If you have something that you think benefits the world, I think you have a moral obligation to try to bring it to oh, more people. that's good. If you have something that's so extraordinary, a solution, uh, an idea, a piece of software, a design that is going to make a material difference in people's lives,
2: I'm sorry you don't have the luxury of sitting around waiting for people to come and knock on your door. You've got to go out and tell people about oh it. God, Not only for your own economic solvency, but I actually think you have a moral obligation to the planet to tell us about it if it's that great.
0: Now, another huge takeaway that came up multiple times this year was the importance of seeing what's possible. Because truly, whatever action you take all depends on that higher branch you believe you can reach. And I love what Alex Benayan said about this. He's the best-selling author of this book called The Third Door. And he went out on this seven-year-long mission to interview the world's most successful people like Bill Gates and Lady Gaga, Maya Angelou, among others. And he wanted to find out what they did to become these legendary figures. And this is what he took away at the end of that
2: journey. You know, when I had started on this mission... My main focus in the beginning was trying to get all these practical tools and pieces of advice and stuff them all into this book. Yeah. And while all of that still happened, I've realized that the soul of the book goes much deeper. Really, this is a book about possibility. Mm. And what I've learned is that you can give someone all the best tools and knowledge in the world and their life can still feel stuck. But if you change what someone believes is possible – they'll never be the same.
0: It's so inspiring, right? I think in the new year, it's really common to feel fired up and ready to rip it open. And then you actually sit down to make a game plan and do the work. And you realize it's scary to have this conversation with yourself. It's scary to go for a life that you love. And there's this tornado of negative thoughts like, who are you to even dream about this? Don't be an idiot. Is this even possible for you? You aren't worthy of this why are we so hard on ourselves? It is so unnecessary and so unfortunate. So here's some advice from author, speaker, entrepreneur, and blogger, Danielle Laporte, on why you have to bring the darkness into the light if you want these thoughts and feelings to change.
3: I think it's Rumi who said, it's about removing the obstacles to love. You don't have to be anything, add anything, change anything, just remove the obstacles. For so long, I just had this conceptual understanding. Now I have a full being understanding of some things. The concept of bringing the darkness into the light, darkness, density, illusions, Mm -hmm. lies. Mm -hmm. And I just always think, like, aren't I removing all the obstacles? Because I'm loving myself. I have a gratitude practice. I eat (laughs) clean. I do yoga. Like, I'm so devoted. Like, God, look at me. I'm so devoted to be well, and to do good. Some of that is super healthy, so beautiful, super legit. But there is a level of vulnerability that is where the darkness is that I think a lot of us will not go to because it hurts. And this is the pain that needs to be cleared out for you to become whole. And a lot of us can go through a crisis situation and it, and we, handle it. We get to the other side, but we don't actually let it change us. It doesn't change our paradigm. It doesn't change our behavior. We're grateful it happened. We're a better person, but you have to let yourself die. It's a death to the old ideas. So it's not, I feel worthy enough for my dreams to happen. That's the pretty glamorous, nice version of the story. The other version of the story is, dear life, I do not feel worthy. Get really honest about that. Then you're going to start unpacking why you don't feel Mm -hmm. worthy and there will be pain there Mm -hmm. and it's worth it.
0: And you know, it's inevitable that we're going to have low moments. It's part of being a human being. You're going to feel pain, but the suffering is unnecessary. So I talked to bestselling author Martha Beck, who is also basically Oprah's life coach. And she had some really incredible wisdom on how to stop being the storm and instead find some inner peace. I know for myself, and I've i been the student of this stuff for a long time. I've been a seeker looking for answers and truth and practicing and showing up and rolling up my sleeves. And still, like I go to a meditation class and I'm like, look at that. Just like suffering, you know,
4: how do you break through that? You stay. (laughs) Um, Pascal once famously said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Oh, that's good. And that's the whole thing. You know, you go to a meditation class, just realize Westerners tend to think that we're going to a meditation class so that we can think our way through our problems. But thinking is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking is just thinking is like a big, powerful engine and it grinds away and it creates all these amazing things. But it has in itself thinking has no compass and no charts. Those have to come from other parts of the self. And so when people try to get a breakthrough by staying in the head and and watching their thoughts, it's just like being in a blizzard all the time. You can't see anything. It's just wind and whirling things. It's when you watch that happen for so long that one day you stop being the the snowstorm and you become what is watching the snowstorm. Yeah, that's the part that has the compass and the charts. It's a different actual location in the brain. It's actually at the back of the brain, instead of um, in the forebrain, and. It comes with a lot of interesting sensations: the feeling that you're connected to everything, mm-hmm. um, a feeling of often of bliss or mm-hmm. enjoyment, and a sense of quiet, of, of of inner stillness, of peace. And then that becomes much, much, much more interesting than the noise. But you have to sit there for a long time and think that it's boring before you start to notice how interesting it actually is.
0: I also want to share one of the stories from our guest, Ruth Sukup, who's a blogger, a best-selling author, an entrepreneur with a seven figure income. And she was so generous to come on the podcast and tell her truth about her past. And it was so painful to hear what she's been through, but seeing what she's accomplished after coming out on the other side, again, it comes back to seeing what's possible and knowing that if someone like her can rise up from such a dark place then we can too.
5: When I was in college, um, I went through a really bad depression. My last semester of my senior year, I was two months away from graduating, was supposed to graduate with honors and do all these amazing things in my life. And I just got completely depressed. I totally jumped off the deep end. Like I don't do anything half halfway. So, if I was going to go crazy, I was going to go all the way crazy and I totally went commit. Oh my god. All gosh. the way crazy. Yes, it was full on commitment and ended up uh, attempting suicide and um, oh no. was involuntarily committed into psychiatric hospital. It was all very girl interrupted. Yeah, so I was I was involuntarily committed and I ended up spending the next Two and a half years in and out of psychiatric hospitals, just lots of self-destructive behavior. I um, had four more suicide attempts. The worst one ended me in a coma on life support with a 10% chance of waking up. I can't believe how brave you are to even just say all of that. I'm just Thank floored you. by
0: everything you just said. Thank okay, you. Take a deep breath. It's, oh my yeah. Gosh. And
5: I for, sometimes I, I'm so used to talking about it now that sometimes I forget that it's very heavy and it's a lot for people to take in. Probably. I don't need to be flippant about it at all. Obviously, it was a huge part of my life and, so, and my story but i do feel now that i didn't die then because i was meant to do what i'm doing now you know like by all accounts i should have died um my heart stopped i was dead my my family was told to come and say goodbye that there was no way i was ever oh going to wake God. up and um and i did and i was fine and so i always have this sense that i I am here for a purpose that there was something out there that was for me, but I didn't know. It took a long, long time for me to figure it out. But I love sharing that with people because I understand depression having gone through it in such an intense way. But I also know like that when I was depressed that I never saw anybody get better. I remember the doctor saying, this is not the end for you. You're only 21 years old. There's something more out there for you. And I'd say, why should I believe that? Nobody ever comes back. You show me one person who has gone through a depression like this and come out the other side. You can't show me one person. And they couldn't show. That was re- what was really sad is that they that couldn't so sad. show me one person. And now I get to be that person who other people can point to and say, if she can come back from that, then I can too. Because it is possible. There is hope. And I always say that to people too. Like, just let me hold the hope for you. Even if mm. you are in such a dark place that you can't see the light right now, just let me hold, hold the faith that there is a light there, even if you can't see it.
0: It's so heartbreaking to hear that Ruth had to go through that. And there's so many people who are dealing with pain like that every single day. But like Ruth says, there is hope. It is possible to start walking through that darkness and eventually find that light. Her episode was so inspiring. So definitely you can go back and listen to her whole story if you haven't already heard it. Now, maybe you're starting out 2019 feeling a little lost, like you're still not sure what exactly you want to do with your life or what your purpose is. You're not alone. Here's some advice Martha Beck had, and she says something that's so simple, but we don't follow it enough.
4: In the middle of my PhD, I had a child prenatally diagnosed with Down syndrome, and there was just barely time to have a legal abortion. And I really had to think, like, what do I want to do here? And, uh, you know, I had to sit and think, what is the reason for having a human life? Like not, yeah. it wasn't wow. whether or not I wanted a baby, that choice had been made. But the question was, what kind of a baby is worth having? Mm. And that brings us to the question, what kind of a human life is worth having? And I thought and thought, and I decided, you know, I looked around at the people at Harvard that I admired and that I aspired to be, and none of them seemed particularly happy. They really, as a rule, did not. And fascinating. I thought the only reason for being alive Emerson said that beauty is its own excuse for being. And for me, joy is the felt sense of beauty and joy is its own excuse for being. Mm. And I had a feeling and had been told that this child would be able to experience joy. So why not let that be good enough? The only reason for existing is to have joy. So that combined with the freedom of my childhood meant that I had very unorthodox behaviors. I would just, if there was something I didn't want to do and I didn't have to do, I didn't do it. If there was was something I wanted to do, I did it. And my business school students started asking me about this weird life philosophy I seem to have. (laughs) And I I was like, uh, okay, well, I'll write it down in a book. It seems very, very obvious. So I wrote a book called Finding Your Own North Star, and I've been making bank off it ever since, and here's Uh. (laughs) what it says in a nutshell. If there's something that you really hate and it makes you physically sick and it makes you want to stab yourself in the eyes with a fork, maybe you could do a little less of it. (laughs) And if there's something that makes you extremely happy and makes you leap with energy and fills you with delight, maybe do it. I don't know. Just try that.
0: So it's not that complicated, right?
4: And I also love the way Danielle Laporte
0: talked about this and she talked about enthusiasm. Check this out. The real question that people are asking all the time is, what is my purpose? What is my path? I like floral design. I love photography. I love travel writing. I don't know which one to choose.
3: Okay. Choose the one that you are most enthusiastic about. Eckhart Tolle says this in many different ways. Enthusiasm as a state of consciousness, as an emotion, as a feeling, is a heightened state of consciousness. Like if there were a scale, enthusiasm is actually vibrates at a higher level than happiness hmm. or interest or contentment. Wow, we want to be there. So, for, what are you enthusiastic? You can find something to be enthusiastic about. So go there. Then your intellect is going to help you figure out how to apply a strategy to that enthusiasm. It's not Herculean to, to make this happen. And like, do that. And then know that you're going to fail at some point anyway. So just pick something. Now, here's another important
0: thing to remember when it comes to walking that path towards your purpose. And this is from my conversation with Angela Duckworth, who wrote the book called Grit. And she has a super popular TED
3: talk on this.
6: The development of a calling or a passion um, is, is, and I say that word development very slowly and intentionally, because I think a lot of people ask me, how do I discover my passion? And I say, no, 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 don't use the word discover. Discover sounds like it's under a rock somewhere and you like you yeah. need to find it. And just one day you'll find it and then you'll have it. It's much more gradual yeah. than that. It takes years for many people to develop a a calling that they would say, you know, this is what I was meant to do. Now, how do you start down that path, right? The path that will take many years. The most important thing that I could say about developing a calling is that it has to be trial and error. You have to basically experience Mm. different careers or, uh, roles in a, in a company. Um, and, and you can't just, you know, go home and write about it in your journal and, and expect it to all be introspection. There has to be some trial and error in the world. And yeah, it's very sense. hard to predict what will end up sticking and that you'll enjoy more and more. And it's very hard to predict what you will for just sometimes random reasons. I met the swimmer once who decided that he would switch to sculling, And I asked Mm -hmm. him why he would do that because he was actually already a nationally ranked swimmer and he basically had to start over again. Right. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I know this sounds crazy, but I love the water. So, okay. Both swimming and sculling have to do with water. He loves sports and he loves being on a team, but he preferred actually being outside versus inside. He wanted to be out on a river instead of inside in a pool. And that was something that this young swimmer could never have predicted. Right. So he had to try sculling and then realize, oh my gosh, I want to be out on a river. So I encourage people to try to develop a calling with patience, but also with a kind of, you know, let me go and explore the world, a mindset that I think a lot of people that I see who are struggling with this are kind of cooped up inside their own heads and they don't get out and try.
0: I love what Angela said about developing your calling instead of thinking you have to discover it. And a lot of people get stuck because they're so scared they're going to go in the wrong direction or pick the wrong thing. But I look at my own life and all the things I've tried and failed at. And the one thing I know for sure is that the clarity comes from the action. So we have to have the courage to get messy. And I love this mantra from Ruth on the importance of taking action.
5: There's nothing that will cure your fear faster than taking action. Action is the antidote to fear. Like nothing you do is going to be perfect. That's actually the beauty of online businesses. It doesn't have to be perfect. Call it a beta launch and launch it, and call yeah. it a beta launch, and then people expect it to right. be imperfect. I mean, my first version of EBA because we're on EBA 3.0, and next year we will launch EBA 4.0. Mm-hmm. But EBA 1.0, let me tell you, that was a sad-looking <laughs> course. I <laughs> thought I spent a lot, but what I like, my video production was truly like bottom of the barrel. I had never done video or talked on a teleprompter before, so I was awkward. The colors were bad, the graphics were bad, like everything was bad about. it. It except the content was solid, it was good stuff, and people got good results from that, even with all the imperfections. And we launched that version, I think, two more times before I revised Mm -hmm. it and before I invested the money to completely redo all the videos. And now we'll redo everything again for the third time. But it doesn't have to be this amazing thing the first time, it just has to serve people. Stop thinking about like how you're going to be perceived, but how what you have to offer could change somebody's life, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. When you make it about somebody else and not about you, that's where you can stop feeling self-conscious about it and just start serving. Okay. Before we go
0: on, let's just say a quick thanks to our sponsor. So it's the new year. And one of the most common resolutions people have is to learn something new. In my own life, I'm always looking to pick up new skills, but there's definitely something about the new year that really kicks that into full gear. And if you're listening to the show, I'm pretty sure you feel the same way. And that's why I love Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators. It has more than 25,000 classes in design and business and anything you can imagine. You're going to discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, your creativity, and your career. You can take classes in social media marketing, in mobile photography, in creative writing, even in illustration. Whether you're looking to discover a new passion or start a side hustle or gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning, thriving, and reaching those New Year's goals. I've taken their classes in watercolor painting and productivity, but another class I'd love to take is the one they have on public speaking because that's something I want to do even more of in the new year. You can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering don't keep your day job listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. To so sign up, go to skillshare.com slash dream two. And that's the number two. Again, go to skillshare.com slash dream two to start your two months now. That's skillshare.com slash dream two. Now, Jenna Fisher, who played Pam on The Office was also on the show, and it was so amazing to talk to her. She also said that you can't stay paralyzed in one place. Take a listen to this.
7: Cut it out and make a decision you have to stop like the, Oh, woe is me. There's no place for that in this. Make a decision and pick a life and point yourself in that direction. Mm -hmm. But standing in the middle of two lives, like straddling two lives, that is the saddest life to me, in my opinion, deciding one way or the other that it's for you or not for you there. There's no shame in either decision. Hmm. If you say, you know what? it's too painful for me. I don't want to spend my life uncertain about where my next paycheck is going to come. Or if someone's going to give me a job, don't do it. That's, I get it. That's okay. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with making that decision. And I have friends who have made that decision, who have said, I learned what it is. It's not for me. Mm -hmm. And then they go and they live a different life. But the people who I see who are the most tortured are the people who never made a decision. Mm. So they're like kind of living a more conventional life, but they're always wondering if they should have Uh, done the other life. So So it's like, just pick one or go do it. And then two years later, say that was a colossal mistake. I'm completely miserable. I'm going to go back and figure out something else and a way I can be satisfied. But my biggest piece of advice would be like, you can't, oh, woe is me yourself your whole life. Like that's just, that's really smart. I mean, definitely get rejected from an audition and like eat a pint of ice cream and a bag of chips and like, feel sorry for yourself. That's totally fine. Like there are times when you get to do that, right? Just don't do it with your whole life. I love the story she
0: shared about trusting that the world is going to let you know where you really belong.
7: Here's, I think, the biggest mistake that people make is that the world starts asking something of them and they don't heed the call. Mm. And in that sense, I think my husband is a great example. He went to a top acting conservatory. He was at the top of his class. He got an agent out of the gate. He moved to Los Angeles and then acting just wasn't working out for him, but he really wanted it and he kind of kept going after it. But then what happened after a few years was he and his group of friends got together yeah. and they said, we need to make something. And none of them were writers. And my husband said, you know, I actually used to love creative writing in school. I, I did a lot of writing in high school, but then decided to be an actor. So he volunteered to write the short film. Mm-hmm. And it was seriously brilliant. It's a, it's a short film called The Man Who Invented the Moon. You can see it online. It's incredible. It's incredible. And it blew up at film festivals. And now he's a writer-director. He's an independent filmmaker. He came here to be an actor, but that wasn't... Yeah, he was like, paying
0: attention to what he what Exactly. Was. He was... Yeah.
7: Yes. And I see that sometimes people are so afraid to go down a different road because it means they have to give up right, their idea right. of what they were meant to do. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, like, the dream that gets you somewhere... It's meant to get you there for a different dream. Now, sort of piggybacking on that, I want to share this short
0: clip from Danielle Laporte about why it's so important to show up in the world as yourself and trust that it's going to
3: lead you to where you're supposed to be. Like the universe cannot resist authenticity. Mm -hmm. You showing up as who you are in that moment, it's magnetic. You're always attracting something to you, but the more aligned you are with your soul and your truth... And your God force and in the flow of life, of God, of love, all the same, it's not even more likely. It's inevitable that you're going to attract a lot of good things to you.
0: Ah, I just love that the universe cannot resist authenticity. So we need to start somewhere. Because that's the only way you're going to get clarity on where you need to pivot so you can get to that place where you're going to serve the world the most. And of course, there's going to be a ton of fear when you go ahead and make that first draft, the beta version of whatever you're making. Because you think if I'm going to write a script, it's going to have to be Oscar worthy the first time. In 2019, I want you to let go of the need for perfectionism. Let go of that fear that it's not going to be good enough. Renee Brown says, perfectionism is a 20 ton shield that we lug around thinking it will protect us when in fact, it's the thing that's really preventing us from taking flight. She says, perfectionism is a self-destructive and addictive belief that fuels this primary thought. If I look perfect and do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the painful feelings of shame, judgment, and blame. And Seth Godin, who's an incredible best-selling author, entrepreneur, and one of the most successful bloggers. He admits that even he still feels that fear sometimes, but he says something I hope that you'll remember so you will give yourself permission to just get started.
8: The next step is very straightforward, but it is not easy. And it is, you need to tell bad stories relentlessly until they get better. You cannot plan this. You cannot sketch this out. You cannot make it safe. It will be in the world, and you'll do things that don't work until you do something that does work. And the reason that people get stuck isn't because they don't know what to do. It's because they're afraid. And we need to accept the fact that we are afraid. We cannot make the fear go away. I am afraid every time I'm doing important work. So is, you know, name your favorite playwright. So is everybody. Everybody. And so if you want that fear to go away and get a guarantee, it's never going to happen unless the king of Spain anoints you and says you can work you know, in the castle all day. For everybody else, what you're going to need to do is dance with the fear, is acknowledge that the fear is present and use it as a compass, a compass that says, oh, Mm. maybe if I tell this person this story in this way, it will make their eyes light up. Or maybe they'll hang up on me. I don't know. Let's find out.
0: As we go into the new year and we're making things and we're getting messy, we also need to look for our tribe and where we can serve the world. So I think that this next lesson from Seth Godin is so important.
8: If you would like to find a job where you have no boss, you will probably end up having a lousy boss, you, to do the work. (laughs) We have to be really careful about deciding that when we're acting like the boss, like the CEO, like the head of marketing, like the project manager, that we're going to do it as a professional. And the fact that we love, the that we have passion for the project itself is completely irrelevant. That when we're doing the professional work, we should do it like a professional. And what it means to engage in the marketplace, to be able to transact with others, is that we need a radical amount of empathy.
0: Oh my God, what a beautiful statement. Thank
8: you. Uh, That we need to know that they don't know what we know, they don't want what we want, they don't need what we need, they don't believe what we believe, and they don't want to spend what we want to spend. So if all those things are true, it's really difficult to say to someone, no, I am right, you must do it my way, because this is my passion, buy it or leave. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm a huge fan of having a point of view and only doing work that you're proud of, but it comes at a very significant cost. And the cost is it's not easy to take that posture and grow a business, particularly if you're starting with no money. So with all of that said, I think it is possible to do work you love with clients that you respect. But the best way I know to do that is to begin with the posture of, I will love my clients and I will love my work, not the other way around.
0: And building off of this idea that we have to think about other people, I want you to hear what he said about the importance of making other people feel seen. One of my favorite things that you talked about in this new podcast, uh, there was an episode you did that you titled, I See You. And I always feel that way, that it is what everybody truly wants. What was your sort of... um, mission and putting out that episode? Why Why did you want to talk about that?
8: I made the podcast so I could do two episodes, that episode and the episode about status roles. And the episode that you're talking about, about Solbona is my narrative about what the world truly needs. And I got to tell you, I've done a bunch of podcasts, but it's hard for me to think of an interviewer who has worked harder to see me and to see my work than you have. And I think that's why you're so good at this.
0: Oh my God. You're, you literally just made me cry tears from my eyes. Um, that means really, that means a lot to me. Thank you for that. That's really nice. You really are generous, but tell me for people who haven't heard that episode yet what leads you there to know that people need to be seen and and how do we make them feel seen?
8: Well, the MBA in me has an easy answer, which is in, (laughs) in the last hundred years, we've invented way more stuff than ever before. There, there are fewer people, uh, as a percentage in dire poverty than ever before. And yet there's more alienation and loneliness than ever before. So Mm -hmm. we may have been solving the wrong problem that feeling unseen, unheard, disconnected, it's a very difficult thing to solve. And we're not going to make it go away if we ignore it. We cause ourselves our own suffering because of the disconnect between what we want the world to be and what it is. And there's so many ways that we could change our own narrative about how we treat ourselves and how we treat other people, but we don't spend enough time on it. And there isn't even a section of the bookstore for it or a section of the podcast world for it. And I felt like devoting 20 minutes to sharing how I see it was a small price to pay to put it on some people's radar. You know, one of the reasons we want to do our passion project is because we like to do that work. But the bigger reason is we want people to see us for who we are and who we want to be. That if someone sees our work, and loves it, they are loving us. But you know what's missing? What's missing is all of that doesn't help us see the other person. And when times get tough or thin or difficult, it's so easy to go back to how we're not seen and how people aren't respecting us or giving us a chance to do our thing. But all the people around us feel the same way. So we can solve the problem by feeling more injustice. Or we could solve the problem by actively seeing other people. And if we begin to see other people and being able to go to them and say, here, I made this. I made this for you. It's about you. Then we've built one more bridge. And over time, those bridges Mm. form a lattice. And over time, that lattice forms a culture. So the happiest cultures are cultures where people are actively working to see each other. And the most unhappy ones... Are where people are actively working to be seen.
0: So now I may have given you the courage. You may be all fired up and you're going to start working on your pottery or your coaching business or your jewelry. And then you might say, well, now I know what I want to do and I've started walking on that journey, but it seems like the destination is so far away and it seems like it's going to take forever to get there and I don't really know the right path and it's just really overwhelming. Well, Martha Beck had a great analogy and I want you to keep this in mind. Later on in the book, you talk about charting your course. How do you do that?
4: Well, once you've got to the place where you can feel your essential self, and it will start to pull you in different directions, and it it doesn't work. It doesn't, like, drop through your ceiling one night and give you a 10-point plan. Right, right. All it tells you is, wow, I really like cheese. You know, There's not a lot to work with in the beginning, or so it may seem. Yep. I mean, the woman who set up my company said I just wanted to read self-help books and make money doing it. Okay. That's what she knew. She liked reading self-help books and she wanted money. Yep. Fair enough. She found a way to do that. So once you've gotten free from your trauma and you can start to feel what you actually want, then you start to do this thing that you alternate. I don't know if it's in this book, but it's in one of my books. You alternate between what I call eagle vision and what I call mouse vision. You go way up high and you look at your whole life from beginning to end, like what do I want my legacy to be? What do I want to experience in my whole lifetime? And then you write those things down and those are your distant goals, your bucket list. And then you drop down to the perspective of a mouse, which can only do one small thing that's right in front of its face. Mm. And you say, okay, what one thing today will take me toward that eagle vision? And you just keep taking mouse steps. That's good. And when you forget the eagle vision, you go back up and check it again. And you just alternate like that. And so you keep taking steps in the right direction. And it's really good. You go a long way that way.
0: So once you've had that Eagle vision and you're taking those mouth steps, you're going to come across successes and failures, but I want you to stay in it. It's about having that grit and that resilience. And here's something I want to remind you of, about how close you really are to getting to where you want to be. I know that um, you walk around feeling like there's this emptiness, that there's something missing. You just You need this thing to make you more enough. You know, we live in a society where you're constantly being told you should buy this thing because it's going to make you more enough. So we're constantly being told this lie that we're not enough. And I think people feel that way also in their life. You know, until I check the box of, you know, being a married person or having a child, there's a lot of, I don't yet have the things that I need in order to be this happy, amazing, successful human being. And What I really wish you guys could see is how close you are. And I want you to think of it like this. Imagine if you were not a great golf player and you were just like swinging and missing like every time you just like cannot figure it out. And then somebody comes over who is just like a pro and he hits it and it's like hole in one and he tells you, oh, you know, you just got to turn your wrist just a little to the right and just move your swing slightly this way. And he goes ahead and he shows it to you and you're, you're scratching your head. You're looking at it. And you're like, God, that's so subtle. And yet the ball winds up in a completely different place. Instead of like going through the trees and winding up in the lake, which is what I would do, it winds up right down the barrel, like going right into that hole exactly where it needs to be. And they say that it could be a two-millimeter difference, a two-millimeter difference. So right now, in this moment, while you're busy telling yourself that you're not enough, you're not smart enough, you don't have good enough grammar, you don't know enough about business, while you're doing that to yourself over over and over and over and over again, you're literally two millimeters away from starting down a path that's, really going to wind you up exactly where you need to be. And you are already enough and you are already exactly how you're supposed to be. So the two millimeter difference that I'm expressing right now is you actually just getting that and knowing that and then just beginning. And as you do that, what you're going to find is that the clarity, the confidence the brilliance, the mastering of it is only going to come as you continue to make stuff and be messy. And in that bravery of doing things that you think are completely mediocre, you're actually going to find that a lot of people around you, they were very excited about that yoga class that you thought it was like a complete joke. They loved it. So It is the most important step you're going to take because that is the only way that you're going to start to gain the insight and the data to understand who am I serving? What does my audience want? What does my customer need? And so I hope that you guys get this because you are already there. So the thing that you're looking for, the person that you're looking for, you're looking for you as you are right now. Now, if you're making strides, but you still can't break through that ceiling and you're like, I don't understand. I know what the world wants from me. I'm putting in the work, but I have these moments when I'm self-sabotaging. I have major imposter syndrome or I tell myself, I don't deserve this. So here's a big question that came up this year. What is the life that you're willing to tolerate? What are you open to receiving? And that is what Jen Sincero says about welcoming in new successes. Jen also has a whole book, You Are a Badass at Making Money, where she goes deeper into the subconscious struggles that we have with money. And I love this exercise she has about bringing those internal assumptions to the surface, really taking a good look at them and then revisiting them.
1: What's holding people back from making money? Oh my gosh. So the only exercise I repeated in both books is the one where you write a letter to money as if it's your pal or if it's a person, not necessarily your pal. Think about how you think about money because... Most of us are like, hell yeah, I'd love to make tons of money. Give me a big bag of money. But deep down, (laughs) you're like, I feel dirty saying that. I would never admit that out loud in front of my friends. You know, like we want it, but we don't. So Most people have a real push-pull about it and lots of judgment about rich people and lots of judgment around what people do for money. There's a lot of gnarliness going on around money. Mm. and. We have our own specific freak show going on around it, depending on how we were brought up and, you know, where we live and stuff. Writing a letter to money can take 15 minutes and can be so incredibly eye opening, uh, that it could change your life.
0: What would that look like? Let's say I'm going to write a letter. What what would I write? What would I talk
1: about? Dear money, I love you. I wish I had more of you, but you make me feel dirty and insecure. I don't trust that you're really going to be there for me. I don't feel confident about making you, but yet I am so happy when I do. You know, I think people who make lots of you are disgusting and I'm worried if I make lots of you, everybody will think I'm disgusting.
9: Oh, so much you know? of that. I and hear then, it
1: all the time. Right. And then you yeah. look at your specific, then you take each specific one and look at it and be, is that true? Then it's like everything else. You shift your focus, you shift your words, you shift where you're, you know, what you're going to make yourself believe.
0: Yeah. And mm-hmm. and then there's that
1: whole part of like not feeling deserving of it. Mm-hmm. And then you look at that and it's like, what would you do if you had lots of money? Would you rape and pillage countries or would you share it? Would you do beautiful things with it? Would you enjoy it? Would you, you know, so it's, it's taking, you know, all fear when broken down is so much less powerful over us. When you break it down, you're not lying in the gutter bleeding yeah, like, to death. So you what? know, you'll, yeah. you'll
0: survive it. Mm-hmm. So the last clips I want to play are my reminders that you don't need to feel shame for wanting a good life. You deserve it. And I really hope this resonates with you and becomes a new mindset that helps you break more ground in the new year. Maybe the creator of the universe ultimately created all these incredible things for us to enjoy. And we're the ones that keep ourselves from them by saying, I don't really deserve it. It's okay. I don't really want for that. I'll just have this. I'll just have this little tiny piece. It's enough for me. And really, there's like this hose that's on full blast, but we just We just walk up with like a little thimble and we fill up a thimble when really you could fill up a bucket or you could fill up an ocean and it's okay. And you don't have to apologize for it and you don't have to rationalize it. You could just have it because it's been created for you to enjoy and then use these incredible resources, whatever you're being given, whatever you can expand to receive, you can then use that to fuel you to give to the world. You can spin that into things where now that energy helps you to create that business that helps you to create beautiful art or helps you to create opportunities for other people or speak to other people. You can use all that and then look what one person can do. And the truth is there are so many people who when they have it, they can do so much good with it. And I hope one of the things that they do is just inspire you that it's okay to want for things. It's okay to not be perfect, that your scars and your vulnerability actually make you even more of a candidate to be good at whatever you're doing and that you do deserve it and that you should put your shoulders back and take your seat at the table and stop apologizing And go ahead and go for it. You know, I think we live the lives that we think we deserve. I think we have what we think we deserve. And we we live the lives that we're willing to tolerate living. We're agreeing to it. And so I actually think deep down, there's a tremendous amount of shame that people carry around. Do I really deserve it? Do I really deserve success? Do I really deserve to be in a beautiful relationship. Do I really deserve to have lots of nice things? What does that mean about me? What would that make me out to be? You know, So many people have all these misconceptions about what it would mean if they, they really had a lot, if they had a beautiful life. Could you be a nice person who has money? I don't know. Some people are like, no, if I want to be kind, I got to stay in a certain place because once I have a lot of money, I'm immediately going to be someone who's a jerk. That's not true. They're not mutually exclusive. You know, there's people who have lots of money who aren't nice. There's people who have lots of money who are so generous and they they have more in their ecosystem. They have more resources. So they build schools and they they help people in Africa and they build theaters and they, they do so many good things, right? And there's also people who have no money who are really kind and there's people who have no money who are not kind, right? So that's not really the defining factor there. It's what we do with what we have, but I think that there's a tremendous amount of shame. And so we tell ourselves, it's okay. I don't really need it, I'm okay. But would you wish that for your best friend? You'd say to your best friend, you deserve to have all those things. You deserve to wake up on Monday morning so excited about the work you're doing in this world because you have work to do in this world. Real work, meaning there are amazing things things that only you can share the way you can share them, and there is room for you. But you've got to be willing to have the courage to want it and know that you deserve it. So I want you to keep expanding your capacity for what you're willing to even tolerate that you could receive. How much can you actually take? How much good can you actually let in? How much can we allow ourselves to receive? you deserve to be so happy. And is it really asking a lot from this universe to say, you know what, God, you know what I really want? You know what world? You know what I really want? I want to show up in this world and I want to paint. Or you know what I want? I want to show up and I want to bake or I want to teach or I want to be sailing. I want to write a book. I want to use the gifts that I love and I want to make this world brighter. And I want to have a beautiful home and I want to be able to have my friends over for dinner and I want to be able to give to people and I want to be able to support charities that I care about. Is that a lot to ask? Is that a horrible thing? Does that make you a horrible person? No. So there's a lot of things going on underneath the overthinking. It's a fear of being not perfect. It's also a fear of what if I really go for what I want and I get disappointed? Will I be able to survive that? Yes, you will. It's also a fear of, will I look stupid or what if I'm in the wrong category altogether and I'm not sure which road to go down. It's okay. You'll be led to where you're supposed to go. And then the last piece is, well, what if I don't think I deserve it? What if I really truly don't think I deserve it? But you do. So I hope you guys enjoyed this And we made a cheat sheet to help you not just reflect on the big takeaways from 2018, but also give you some questions on how you're going to take those with you into the new year. If you want that cheat sheet, you can find a link in the show notes and you can go ahead and download it. So I want to mention a couple of New Year's resolutions that I have. First of all, I had so much fun talking with Becky Scott and Greg Franklin about their stories and successes from listening to this podcast, and I want to do more of that. So let me know what progress you've made as a result of hearing the show. You can just email me your story at hello at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com, and you might be a guest on this show. I hope that my inbox is flooded with these stories, and I'd love to have this ongoing every Thursday so that you can hear what one of you is doing and the courage and the success and the momentum that's taking flight. Also, another goal I have for 2019 is I want to do more to cultivate a space for healing and for breakthroughs. So I'm putting together this phenomenal Dreamtopia workshop in LA. It's March 14th and 15th, two full days of groundbreaking masterclasses with me and other featured guests that have been on this show. There's going to be some meditation. We're going to be workshopping your ideas. You're going to meet incredible people who are with you on this journey, and we will be there to support you. You can grab your seat at dreamtopiaworkshop.com. And if you're listening to this episode, We have an early bird discount available. It's $54 off your ticket, but it's going to expire on Friday. We're going to extend it to Friday. So you literally have just a few days to jump on that offer. Head on over to dreamtopiaworkshop.com and use code early bird at checkout and you can grab that deal. Thank you for being with me for a whole nother year. We've been doing this two years now and I really can't believe what's happened. I'm so grateful and thankful to all of you for helping me create this community. And I don't know if you guys saw, but Apple featured us as the first show in their Be A Better You shows to listen to for 2019. And I'm so grateful for all of you for being in my world. There wouldn't be a show without you. And I'm so grateful to Apple. And I'm so grateful to Emma Kikuchi, who co-produces this with me, and to Tim Street for being our mentor, and to Maddie and Beth for helping us start all of this and to Amy Loftus-Pachensky for introducing me to them and giving me the idea to start the show. I started the show when my daughter was 10 days old. I was sleep deprived. I was overweight. I was anxious. You have no idea what it feels like that Apple has featured us, that you guys are here, that we have over 2000 five-star reviews, that we've crawled into the hearts of people all over the world. There are so many other deserving shows, including Oprah show, Ira Glass's show, Rachel Hollis's show. You guys, I was a C student. I was a latchkey kid and I didn't sit at the cool table in the lunchroom. In general, I felt pretty invisible most of my childhood. I came out to LA with a dream to tour the world and sing to sold out stadiums. I got dropped from two record deals and realized that wasn't going to be my path. And it's a longer story, but eventually the road led me to you. And you have no idea how that's impacted my life. What greater gift could there be for me than getting to encourage other souls to find their purpose, to welcome and joy, to know that life can be so much more magical and easy when we just let it be and we follow the flow and listen to our heart. Um, come on over and follow me on Instagram. I'm doing a giveaway. I'm giving away three tickets to the Dreamtopia workshop plus three really cute Kate Spade watches. If you come on over to my Instagram, you'll see a post where I talk about the Apple feature. And in the caption of that post, I tell you how to enter the giveaway, but I'll be giving those things away uh, January 1st. So come on over, follow me on Instagram at kathy.heller and you can enter that giveaway. Also, I'd love to hear what you guys are most excited about for this coming year. So you can come on over and you can post it in the Don't Keep Your Day Facebook group, or you can just message me on Instagram because I check all those messages myself. Tell me what's on your list of things that you want more of this next year. Do you want to find out what you're meant to do? Do you want to make $20,000 from your painting? Do you want to be kinder to yourself? I want to hear about it. You guys, if you like this episode, please take a second and share it with someone. If there's another episode, if you feel like this podcast would be helpful to encouraging someone else on their journey, please share this podcast. Let's make it a goal to inspire one another to stop tolerating a life that doesn't serve us and start taking action towards a beautiful life where we can make a living doing what we love and sharing our gifts with the world because it is truly what we were put here to do and we do deserve it. So here's to the last episode of 2018. Here's to every single one of you. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you in the new year. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit authenticshows.com.
9: Who knows what tomorrow holds? So don't hold back your heart. We are It's not leave.